The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm your host, Bobby Williams. Please subscribe to the show. And if you've ever learned anything from listening to the show, leave us a review on Apple. Tell us what you learned. It's easy to think of your child as just a smaller version of yourself. They're not, though. Their brains are wired different. Part of that is because their brains are still growing and developing, and part of that is because they're just their own person with their own style of communicating. That can lead to a lot of challenges, a lot of clashes. Our guest today is Cole Johnson. Cole is the Family and Children's Services Director for Behavioral Health Resources in Grays Harbor. He is also a licensed mental health therapist. Cole works with families all the time to navigate these communication challenges and hopefully at the end come to a point of understanding. It's a lot of great insight for us. Let's check it out. One of the other dimensions has to do with how you organize your day. And so um, it's, I don't like how this is worded, but it's worded as perceiving types or judging types. I don't like that judging kind of phrase because I am a judging type and it seems kind of rude, but um, perceiving type people tend to like to go with the flow. So when they organize their day, you know, it's they, they wake up and they're going to just kind of see what happens and just go from one activity to the next. Um, J type people, on the other hand, like me, we're very organized. We have sticky notes that have sticky notes to get completed. Um, when I ask my students, you know, like, what are you, what's your Saturday going to look like? A perceiving type person is going to say, oh, you know, I'm going to wake up and probably eat some breakfast. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll hang out with a friend. Whereas the judging type person is going to say, I'm going to wake up at eight. Then I'm going to eat breakfast. Then I'm going to go run for an hour. Then at 11 o'clock, I'm going to do my homework. 12 o'clock is lunch. One o'clock, like the whole day is scheduled out, right? And so typically you get teenagers tend to be more on that perceiving type, more of that go with the flow. And parents tend to be more of that judging type. Just, I got to be organized. You know, I have these kids that have practice at these different times, maybe. And I got to make sure everyone gets to where they got to go. And so there's a source of conflict of, you know, the perceiving type youth is just ready to relax on the Saturday, whereas the parents got this kind of schedule and it may feel like go, go, go and feel somewhat threatening, right? Um, good example of that would be if you're going to go out to like the movies with some friends, you know, that youth trying to be responsible says something to mom like, hey, mom, going out to the movies now, I'll be home later, right? And in their mind, hey, I told mom where I'm going, did a great job and I'm going to be great. But Bob, you probably know what will happen next. If I were to say that to you, you're like, hey, I'm going to go out to the movie, see you later. What's going to happen next with that parent? Yeah. When are you coming back? Uh, you know, what movie? Who are you going with? Exactly. The, almost like that 20 questions, right? Who are you going with? How are you going to get there? What movie you see and when you're going to be home? And so the youth feels threatened because they, they gave that information. Why are you asking me all these things? Why don't you trust me? I hear that a lot. Why don't you trust me with what I told you? And the parent isn't saying they don't trust them. It's just that they need more information because that's how the brain's wired, right? 
And so this is a good example of when we're working on communication with both the clients and their families to say, well, here's how you can use the other person's strengths. So even if I'm a perceiving type that goes with the flow and I feel like that's enough information, if I'll just tell my mom that extra information, then it's going to work out. So instead of, yeah, I'm going to the movie, see you later, it's something along the lines of, hey, mom, Marilyn and I are going to go watch the new Avatar movie. It starts at 7, it gets over at 9.30, then we're probably going to go out for ice cream. I'll be home around 11, and if I'm running late, I'll send you a text. That's going to make the parent feel so much better, and they may have a, a few follow-up questions, but generally that's going to kind of satiate their needs, and then there won't be an argument. Hmm. I think as an adult, just life demands a lot of you. And so there needs to be some sort of structure. Whereas when you're a child, you know, I mean, they can be stressed too, but it's, it's just different. Yeah. And I've had the opposite before. You know, I've, I've had some of those, uh, especially like high schoolers who, you know, they're about to graduate, they're working on uh, college applications and scholarships and homework and all this stuff. And so they have this very you know, detailed and planned weekend of getting stuff done, but then the parent wants to hang out. And so it's like, hey, get up, we're going to go to the mall and we're going to be there and just kind of see what happens. That causes the youth a lot of stress because they had all these plans. I need to get these things done. I have a deadline and the parent just doesn't seem to get that. Ah, you can do it when we get home or something mm -hmm. like that. Well, so I get your example of, you know, this is how a child can communicate to the parent to reassure them. How can the parent, like, say, you know, your child's personality type, how can you adjust so that you're working best with them? Yeah, and I think the the main thing is you got to know about yourself and how you're wired and then also know they're wired so you can compare those things. Um, little bit off topic, but have you ever heard of love languages before, Bobby? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We use love languages a lot, too, when it comes to these kind of conflicts, right? And so, um, you know, the, there's five different love languages, right? There's physical touch, quality time, um, acts of service, words of affirmation, and then the one I always forget. <laughs> presence. That's right. Presence, gifts. That's why I always forget it, because that's my <laughs> number five. I don't, not my thing, right? Um mm -hmm. But well, that's a good example because you may have a parent who their number one is giving gifts. And so they think like, hey, I bought my kid a food and I got gas for their car. Look at how much I love them. But to the kid, that doesn't that's not what I needed. What I actually needed was quality time. I needed you to, you know, come talk to me or go out for a walk with me or, you know, watch me play video games or something. And so then the youth feels unloved because they're not getting that language need met, even though the parent's trying really hard. And that's just another example of you got to kind of know how you're wired so that you can be able to meet the other person where they're at. Um, you don't have to change yourself completely, right? It's not you have to go against your nature, but it's finding compromises. Um, to use a love language example, you know, if you got someone who is a big quality timer and the other person's a big, you know, like physical touch kind of person. Well, you know, watch a movie on the couch while you guys are, you know, next to each other. You got that physical proximity and you're doing the activity together. You're not having to, you know, fully do what the other person wants, but you're working together so that both needs are met. When I think about personality types, it makes me also think about values and different personality types value different things. But then families' values are really important too. And you want to pass your values to your child. You know, like in our family, we believe in working hard. And, and so what's the balance with that? Yeah, that can be very tricky, right? Because you got the 
the family values, and that can be um, generations back. You know, mm -hmm. how many families have I worked with who say something like, well, us Johnsons, you know, we've always been such and such, you know, and that's like that core family value. And then you have the youth who in their stage of development is supposed to start looking at what makes sense for them, right? Um, you know, when you look at the different developmental stages, this time of adolescence, especially is a time of, you know, finding your identity versus having what they call role confusion, where you're not sure who you are. You know, I mean, those might be those youth who like one week they show up in all black and they're a goth and the next week they're in sports gear and they're a jock and the next week they're a nerd, right? I mean, that's that time that you're trying on these different personas to find out what do I believe and who am I? We run into that problem with family values too, because maybe the family is always valued. You know, we go to church every Sunday, for instance, and that youth is starting to figure out, well, I'm not sure what I believe. I'm not sure if I believe what my family says or what my friends say or what I'm trying to develop for myself. And so then that can be a big source of conflict. And what we found is, again, just trying to find that middle ground where everyone can value each other, right? And so it's the, our family values honesty, but maybe me as a youth, I don't really care about honesty. I'm just going to do whatever. Well, can we find that middle ground so that there are certain topics that we're always honest about as opposed to others? And that even saying that, I'm sure there's people who's listening and they might have cringed a bit, right? Because like, oh, we got to be honest and we got to tell the truth. And Right. But the other hand, too, is that if you kind of lay the law down and say, no, you have to do this, that tends to push youths away even more, because instead of being given that freedom to explore and kind of find what they want or what they need, you know, they're going to rebel against that kind of strong boundary. But the, the tricky, tricky part of that, too, is that we also can't as parents and as educators, you know, have such uh, loose boundaries that then they can end up getting hurt. You know, and so it's finding that balance of, and this is what we do in counseling sessions too, is making a list of what are our absolute boundaries that there are no uh, negotiating. This is always true for our family and being part of this family means this. What are our middle ground values that we really want you to do, but we understand if you're going to test the waters a bit. And then, you know, what are the, what are the values that just aren't as important? Do you think personality types kind of change with the times? Like, you hear Gen X is like this, or millennials have this trait. Um, do you believe in that? Or what do you think about all that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're all the product of our past, you know, and we're the products of our past decision making and our past relationships. And, you know, like we kind of talked about earlier, your past values, you know, if you come from a family that's, you know, always been maybe blue collar, right? We work hard for our job. We have this family trade and every one of my family goes into this trade or whatever, you know, and then you have a youth who maybe is first generation college or first generation high school, even, you know, that can feel kind of threatening, but, um, you know, I, I had a client a couple of years ago, um, and her, she was being raised by her grandparents and her grandfather had served in one of the wars. I, I think it was, uh, Gulf War, Desert Storm kind of era or whatever. So he's kind of pretty rigid and military, right? He's got that set schedule. He'd definitely be that J type like me, you know, in terms of like every every hour scheduled activities or whatever. And she was kind of more of a free spirit, you know, she um, really into art and like, um, you know, I haven't seen her a couple of years. She's going to be in her twenties at this point, but when last time I saw her, she's going to go to like art college in uh, Olympia or something, just a lot more kind of free spirited. And they had a lot of disagreements, you know, because he came from this like 
blue collar kind of mechanic background kind of thing and was like no you're gonna go get a trade you're gonna learn this skill you gotta be marketable you gotta find this job that's always gonna provide for you and there's always gonna be business opportunities as opposed to art which is very um hit or miss right i mean we know all the stories of authors or artists who had to submit hundreds of drafts before they finally made it into the big leagues or whatever right and so that was a huge source of family value conflict and it came from a place of love and concern. You know, he really wanted her to succeed and he wanted her to be successful in all she did. And I think she eventually got that, but it just felt so threatening to her the way they communicated because they argued so much because that wasn't coming across to her. It was coming across as very demanding of you, you got to give up your passion for art. That's silly. That's stupid. Something like that. Whereas he was really, again, trying to say, hey, I'm concerned for you and I want you to be successful. Grandma and I aren't going to be around forever and I want you to have the solid basis. Yeah, it's like coming from a place of caring, but it feels like oppression. Yeah. And, and you know, that's kind of if we had to kind of summarize everything we're talking about today, with that personality differences, uh, it just comes around to intentionality and communication. You know, you got to be willing to sit down talk through some of these things and know it might be a multi-talk process. That's not going to be a one-time, you know, you and I went for a drive, had this 10-minute talk and we're good. You know, we might need to really define again what matters to me, what matters to you, what's our middle ground, and then learn how to use our differences, strengths, and weaknesses to help each other. I think another way people communicate is through their actions and their behaviors. And I think of like a toddler, like a toddler throws a temper tantrum and it's like, okay, they need a nap or something. Yeah. But then when a teenager is acting out or, you know, doing something you don't want them to do, you don't think of it in the same terms of like, what is this communication telling me and what yeah. needs to change? And, it, you know, it's just different. That's a great point. Um, and in our agency, that's a saying we have is all behavior is communication. And I mean, your point about the toddlers, exactly that. And same thing with the teenagers, right? When I'm when I'm a small child and I don't have that vocabulary to tell you my needs, I can only get my needs met through, you know, some kind of action. So if we go all the way back to infancy, I'm crying, you know, and that cry could mean that I need to be changed, could mean that I'm hungry, could mean that I'm tired. I don't have the language to tell you that. Um, you know, the other day I was in an elementary school and there's a kid in the hallway and he had his arms crossed and he was just really angry at his teacher and he was mouthing some kind of cursed slang thing at her. Um, so I pulled him in the office and talked to him and his knee that he wanted was that he was just incredibly lonely. You know, um, he split parent house between mom and dad on the weekends. He, it was a Monday, so he had just gotten back from dad's. And come to find out dad had spent the whole weekend basically on the couch playing Call of Duty or something like that and just ignored him all weekend. He had to fend for himself and he was just so desperate for some kind of connection with an adult. And he didn't have the skills to be able to say that. And he was angry. And so in his anger, you know, he thought I'm going to like cross my arms and lay on the ground and mouth off and that's going to get me attention. And he didn't care if it was positive or negative. He was just so starved for that adult attention. Right. And so me coming along, taking him back to the office and giving him 20, 30 minutes of just, you know, that unconditional positive regard and just letting him kind of share and vent his feelings. And he went back to class and didn't have a blowout the rest of the day. He just needed that moment, but didn't know how to share it. 
think attention is like an underrated thing sometimes. Like all yeah. children want positive adult attention. Also, it makes me think of this uh, metaphor I've heard that I really like. I've, I've said it before on this show probably, but um, you know, coal miners, when they go into a coal mine or when they used to carry canaries with them, it's like they the canary would be there to measure like is this toxic in here and if the canary died it's like okay this is a toxic environment we're not thinking like what's wrong with this canary you know yeah. and i think with children when they're really going through something it's easy to just focus on like their behaviors and they need to do this but it's also like on adults and on you know whatever's around them to be like what's going on in this environment that's getting this result yeah and that, that's a harder way to look at things but an important perspective yeah we talk a lot about um what's the heart or what's the meaning behind what someone's really saying um and a lot of teenagers especially uh do what we call uh mind reading um and not that they have psychic powers like professor xavier that'd be pretty cool that would be um, cool That'd be sweet. Um, but more along the lines of, so going back to that example of like the lump fine, you know, but in their head, they're really saying like, ask me, ask me, ask me to ask me about my day. Like they're so desperate for it, but they're keeping up that, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm fine. You know, you don't have to worry. You don't have to talk to me, but really they're just so desperate for it. So they're, they're hoping that someone else is going to be able to read their minds and be able to say, Hey, you don't look like you're doing okay. Let's talk about it. Um, and, and so, you know, intentionality goes kind of both ways. And we work on that a lot in family counseling. It's, you know, the, the students have to be willing to tell someone their needs and not be offended when their need wasn't met. I, I've had lots of conflicts where, well, you knew I was upset because you saw that I did X, Y, Z. And again, because people are wired differently, maybe the parents that sensing type takes information at face value. Well, I asked you how you were doing and you said you were fine. And so then I left you alone because I thought that's what you wanted. You know, but the kid was really desperately saying, don't leave, don't leave, come talk to me or something like that in their brain. Yeah, it's tough to just give everyone some grace, too. I think tough, especially for children to give grace to parents, but we're all learning. We're all developing as people all the time. And thank you so much for talking with me today, Cole. This was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun and I appreciate you taking the time on a busy day. You know, I think this is challenging to say this, but I think it's good to say this too. Um, a lot of the work that we do with families and youth has to come from a place of humility. You know, you got to be able to humble yourself a bit and put your pride away too, to know that, you know, maybe I'm not always having to be right. And maybe there can be a middle ground. And like we talked about earlier, it's not that I'm going to let someone walk over me. It's not that I'm going to let them do whatever they want, because there has to be that safety and those boundaries put in place, you know, but it's also, you know, I'm sure you've talked in this program before about choosing your battles, you know, it's knowing what's the important things and what are things to kind of not care so much about, but you got to be able to put that pride away to say, I don't always have to be right. And, you know, we can be a team and that goes both ways. You know, parents have to be able to humble themselves and say, my kid is not wired the same way I am. They're not a mini me. And I have to learn to communicate the way that they need to be communicated with. And the youth have to humble themselves too, to not just say, you know, well, I'm right and they're wrong and they should cater my needs and they should understand me. You know, they're just the, the boomers or whatever. I mean, it has to be this place of saying, 
we're a family, we work together, our number one goal is for mutual success. Wise words to end on. Thank you, Cole. No problem. Thank you, Cole Johnson from Behavioral Health Resources in Grays Harbor. I hope you, the listener, learned something from that. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next time. Peace.